The Battle of the Labyrinth, Chapter 15. We steal some slightly used wings. This way, Rachel yelled. Why should we follow you, Annabeth demanded. You led us straight into a death trap. It is the way you needed to go, Rachel said. And so was this. Come on. Annabeth didn't look happy about it. I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. Alright folks, welcome back to Return to Camp Half-Blood. This week we'll be discussing Percy Jackson and the Battle of the Labyrinth, chapters 15 and 16. We steal some slightly used wings, and I open... Uh, oh, sorry, I'm about to sneeze. Seasonal. Allergies. That was so Are funny. You, do you need an allergy it? pill? Like, I have so many. I think I'm going to go to Target today and get some allergy medicine. I was planning on doing that soon, too. Well, allergy maybe. medicine doesn't work for me for some reason, though. But I think I'm going to try some other. Kind the of problem thing. is you have to really build it up in your system. I know. I get yeah. really impatient with Zyrtec, though. <laughs> like, too. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> me, too. And I open a coffin through the theme of <laughs> Stunning. Stunning. This Beautiful. is clearly going to be a very, um, you know, cohesive you know well-organized episode um mm-hmm. there will be no sneezes <laughs> a rule actually you get tarred and feathered if you sneeze on our podcast <laughs> oh i mean that might be a little harsh but it's in the rule book <laughs> it's in the it's in the rule book before we get into the summary of this episode we have a letter that we would Ooh. like to read for you. All right. And when I said letter, I meant email because people <laughs> don't send letters anymore. The it's Pony true. Express did not help us at all. A lost art. No, just kidding. All right. Well, um, as you all know, we've had an ongoing debate on the pronunciation of the plural of Cyclops. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and so I took a mythology class in high school and I decided to um, reach out and actually ask my teacher what it was because we're all kind of tired, right? So I did um, email her and I did get a response and the part that that discusses it, I will read. Um, Cyclopes is how it's generally pronounced, though some elitist hoity-toities might stick up their noses and say, actually, it's Cyclopes, but forget about them. Honestly, if you just said Cyclopses, people would know what you meant. So what we have all gathered from this is that I at least will be saying Cyclopes from now on. And that, there's our answer. No more fighting, no more war. <laughs> <laughs> there is no war in Bossing Sing. so we have our answer we have our answer lovely mythology teacher and now we need know how to talk about those kiklopies if if you yeah (laughs) i actually really hate that way of pronouncing it but well because that's that's because it's uncomfortable i like saying it oh that's the greek one i think that's all greek to me hey You're welcome. And with that, we have no guests this week. And unfortunately, 
Neve has been saddled with the summary because of the way that rotations work and not having a guest the week that she is up. It's so sad. <laughs> so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Let me review really quick. Yeah, you're good. These chapters were kind of jam-packed, so I understand. They were jam-packed, but also very fast. They're very streamlined. People been, yeah. They were was- short. They were they were pretty short. But a lot happened. Yeah. And like no one stopped moving. <laughs> okay. I think I can at least get chapter 15. Okay. Chapter 16 is gonna be. We're gonna give it a shot. Okay. All, All right. right. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Okay, so they find Daedalus. Um, and it's actually what is his name? Quintus from the camp. And um, they find him and they're like, hey, we found you. Don't give this string to Luke. And then he's like, oops, I did. And then Luke's army comes in and attacks all of them and they escape with some wings. And then they get back into the labyrinth and they find, I'm skipping a lot, but Percy finds a coffin and he's like, oh, this is Kronos. He opens it and boom, it's Luke. Um, And then um, that's all I can think of. That was honestly pretty good. That was solid. You hit the, I the big ones. I some major points in the middle just to get to like the, the key moments. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, it's about the destination and not the journey. Not the journey. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. We we miss Nico. Nico's yes. there. He banishes Minos in kind of an anticlimactic moment. A lot yeah. is going on there. Like, and this also happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. We find out Rachel is probably rich, but yeah. like we don't say it overtly. Percy can't really figure it out because he's <laughs> stupid. A little fool. Like, what is possibly happening? I don't understand. Girly, money. Money is happening. Yeah. And then, oh, I guess Rachel hits Kronos with a plastic hairbrush. Oh, God. that's real. That is my favorite moment of this entire book. Really? That image has stuck with me for my whole life. That's fair. Hmm. It's just a great moment. I think that's it. I think you got pretty much got it. I agree. I agree. Oh, I suppose Grover and Tyson are going to be eat by a snake. Oh, yeah. That happens for like so little. That happens for like 30 seconds, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very unclear if, like, they are or they, like, might in the future. Yeah. I guess we find out next week. I guess we'll never know. Stay tuned. (laughs) All right. Ava, it was your turn to grow our playlist this week. What were your song choices? Well, I feel like the three of us all have different ways of picking songs, right? I I feel like... And like how I like to do it is I like to do a little bit of a foolish one and then one that is actually kind of serious. Um, so I saw a lovely little opportunity for um, a very fun song, but a little funny in context for chapter 15. Um, I picked Wings by Little Mix because there they are. <laughs> there they are. There they are. Um and they help people and they're in the chapter title. So um, mama tell me not to waste my life. <laughs> you know? Spread those wings, the little butterfly. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so that's what I chose for chapter 15. But for chapter 16, I chose Cassius by Fleet Foxes because, um, first of all, I love the Luke-Cassius parallel. I think it's so deeply interesting. And Cassius is always a character, or, or I guess a figure, but I think of him a character because I think of Julius Caesar, um, that I've always just been so invested in and interested by. Um, and also the lyrics themselves are really... They, they really capture the vibe of like the point in which like kind of the point in battle of the labyrinth where the war is just going and the conflict is exhausting and we're losing people and it's like it's not a novelty anymore um like some of the lyrics are kind of like let's see um when guns for hire open fire blind against the dawn when the knights and iron took the pawn, um, you and I out into the night held within the line that they've drawn. As I went, they're all beside us in silence as if unaffected amid the violence. And I just think that's so real for like the current sort of sides, especially Luke's loyalties. I feel like it fits really, really well. So I liked it and I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I don't know the song, but I feel like it, it, you've convinced me. I will. Yeah. I will listen to it. Yay! It's good. Um, They're very good. It's I. Good. I do like like them. Yeah. I know other songs by them, just not she. <laughs> not she. Not she. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. What did we forget about oh, these chapters? Like most of it, I cannot lie to you. I. I don't know why Battle of the Labyrinth has. <laughs> gone from my head i was gonna say another week another week we just didn't remember this book mm-hmm. i feel like i remember these chapters all right because this is some of the most like key drama like key climax of the book um, i think this is what kind of the climax of the series yeah i don't remember that um grover and tyson were gone for so long I, I, when like they were still gone I was like holy fuck we lose them for like a very good portion of this book and yeah. I get that there's other issues too that are arising but like girl <laughs> maybe find them yeah I forgot that the Pam the Pam plotline was so spread out yeah it like, really was we got a little bit and a little bit and then I think it's the next chapter chapter 16 17 17 17 that is like the 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 god is dead i i don't know the chapter titles the the lost god speaks those are different but god was right Mm. Mm. (laughs) speak on it king yeah i think i forgot like I'm very good at forgetting when things happen. <laughs> um, specifically, like I'll if someone mentions something that happens, I'll be like, okay, that rings a bell. I just couldn't tell you when. Also, like forgetting in terms of like if it just rings a bell and I didn't automatically think of it already, does that count as forgetting? Or like, you know. Um, but I kind of forgot that it was in this book that we saw Luke's body inside the coffin i thought it was the beginning of the last olympian mm. um so i forgot it was now and then <laughs> at this point i shouldn't even be surprised when kelly comes back 
but every time yeah. I am, <laughs> what the fuck is she doing here? I don't know. Like she's dead now, right? Like right. Kelly is gone. She must be. I guess we'll never know. But I I feel like in the next book they're like, yeah, the monsters are coming back faster, and Kelly's back again. Like she dies and then she comes back again. Yeah, probably strong, maybe yeah. Like strong, maybe. Yeah, I think I I've the biggest thing I forgot was that these two events happen so close to each other, because I said climax. But I lied because I mean crisis point. Because mm. we have two crisis points for different plot arcs happen in two consecutive chapters. The crisis point for Battle of the Labyrinth is the scene with Daedalus because the plot arc of Battle of the Labyrinth is Annabeth and Daedalus. Percy doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the, the plot arc of the whole series. Kronos coming back is the crisis point because it's what sets up the next book the most. Um, and what we've been building up to where like Kronos can't come back and then he, and the worst thing that you could imagine, he does come back. They weren't able to stop him. And then now they're like, oh, now we have to defeat an unkillable God. Lovely little plot right there. Um, but it's just so interesting that these two high points um, can happen so close together. They're like, this happened. They went a little drive around the Midwestern town and then Kronos came back to kill everyone. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what else I forgot. I don't know. For me, it was just the blank slate altogether, I think. Telekine is still around. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of forgot how important... Ethan was during this part of the book? Yeah, actually, I do remember a lot about Ethan for some reason because I don't know, his plotline really sticks with me, even though his plotline is really. I forgot that he was at camp. We were talking last week about his backstory and we're like, we don't really remember it. And he's like, yeah, I was at camp for a while. I remember you. And Anna's like, do I remember you? I don't know. Kind of irrelevant. And then he yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remembered him, but I remembered him as like a character in The Last Olympian. Like, I think I really shoved a lot of stuff into my memory of that book. So we'll see how well I actually remember it. Like I thought I did. Um, But yeah, I kind of thought that that was when he sort of rose to his most active, you know, time to shine was in The Last Olympian. But I guess I was wrong. I guess you were wrong. Yeah, the Battle of the Labyrinth was kind of just like a murky spot <laughs> in my brain, I think, for a while. Anything else specifically we forgot? Um, No, I honestly remember these chapters very well because they were like such goop moments, you know? Yeah. Like we thought finding out that it's Luke that is going to take on Kronos, like, was... Obviously not surprising now because we know the whole story. But when I was reading it, I remember I was like, holy fuck. Like it was the last thing I was expecting to happen. Um, And the hairbrush moment was iconic. So yeah, it was. It's like, what a good cinematic moment where Percy's like, it's Kronos. 
and he like slowly opens the coffin and it's Luke. It epic. <laughs> I also, it. I feel like um Rachel is you I remember in the Titans Curse we talked a little bit about how Nico was almost like a stand-in for the reader in the sense that he was like new, like new to this, but like yeah, just that he was like a, a way for the reader to be like, oh, I'm sort of in the I feel like Rachel until she starts to get her uh, even after <laughs> should we like find out that she's like rich and stuff like you know she gets her own moments of a of being a character but she also feels like someone who the reader could live vicariously through because she's a mortal who's just like special for some reason and like gets to come along on their adventures and sort of date Percy Jackson <laughs> even though she's like a mortal person you know like it she definitely feels like someone who the reader could live vicariously through the story. You're so right. She's the I character think... for for the kids who have two parents <laughs> and are like, well, I have two parents, so I can't be a demigod. Yeah. And like have a good relationship with, but yeah. But I can see through the mist. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> she she has her own development, obviously, and her own like path in the story, but in the these books and I feel like going in this book and going into the last Olympian for a little bit of it like she definitely is someone who the the reader can insert themselves into the story with it's weird because I think Rachel is the manic pixie dream girl that actually like is valid in being the manic manic pixie dream girl like she's earned the right to be she was definitely the blueprint and it's actually oh my god that's so interesting you say that because is she a manic pixie? She is, but like, like Rick, I don't think meant it. Because I think manic pixie dream girl was a term when these books were written. I feel like it's a pretty old term. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't think he meant it to be. No, and it's interesting because I think that whenever we see like a like John Green book, for example, and there is one, she's always at the center of the narrative. But Rick was like. I think subconsciously he was like, here's what happens if we have one as a side character. And like, that's cool because like, you don't get to see the romanticized male gaze, you know? Like it's, it's interesting. Like she's just kind of vibing, (laughs) you know? And that's just like naturally who she happens to be. It's cool. So I did a little quick research and the term manic pixie dream girl was coined in 2005. uh, And the Battle of the Labyrinth came out in I'm stalling because <laughs> my book says copyright 2008. 2008. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he definitely knew what it was. He just didn't know he was doing it. Maybe because he was trying to write like a self-insert sort of character that people could live through. Um, or he just genuinely thought that Rachel was the kind of person Percy needed to interact with before ending up with Annabeth. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think it's very accidental because Mary Pixie Dream Girl's whole thing is like, they see the world differently. She literally does see the world differently. Yeah. <laughs> That's like her whole shtick. Like it's like quite literally what she does. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like you can be it. Like, honestly, you've earned the right... <laughs> Yeah, so I think we will take 
a quick break and then be back to discuss the theme of guilt. Yay. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, folks, welcome back. We will now be discussing the theme of guilt in these chapters. Where did we see people being guilty, people feeling guilt, people expressing the, the emotion of, of guilt? I guilt is a word that you can't use as as many different ways as I thought we, you it's could okay. when I started that little bit. It's okay. Well, I feel guilty that I didn't let our listeners know that I had to mute myself to sneeze. A while ago and so now I have to inflict capital punishment upon myself <laughs> as promised anyway <laughs> moving on I'm not sure how to move on from that but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's in the rule book I think mm-hmm. we just have to kick you out of the zoom meeting now actually I guess like, we do confess your crimes I, I guess it's true uh I think the biggest place I see guilt to start off with is with Quintus slash Daedalus. Man's, everything man's does is out of guilt. He feels guilty for uh, killing his son. He feels guilty for killing Perdix. And he shouldn't. As we've established, Perdix deserved it. he doesn't feel guilty for killing Minos, but he feels guilty for making the the daughters of Kokalis do it. I think mm. we kind of see that a little in this chapter that he feels bad that he had other people fight his battles. And so he retreated from the world and he let, let that guilt fester. And he started to blame himself, but also blame the gods. His guilt turned outwards. Um, and then he gave a strain to Luke. Yep, he did do that. <laughs> he did indeed do that. <laughs> but also, does he feel guilty for doing it? Un- hard to tell. He kind of phrases it as something that he just had to do. Yeah, it's weird because he's a character that I would think would be living like literally marinating in his own guilt for centuries but like he's so he seems so stable and so like like it feels like he can compartmentalize between like what he feels guilt for and like even though something may be similar he'll just be like oh different event I do what I need to do this is it and like it's very 
controlled, which is so interesting because like when that shit happens to your son, <laughs> like I feel like that would make you irrational, you know, in a, you know, fair, which is fair. <laughs> and it did. And it did. But then like it didn't bleed into like all of his other, you know, all the other things that he's done that perhaps would make him feel guilt. It's really odd. Like, I don't know how he has that much control over his own mind, but he does. It also like, I think we see him feel guilty because he knows he's going to betray the camp. And so he's like, if I'm going to do this, I need to know what I'm betraying. And that's why he goes in as Quintus to see, because he doesn't even necessarily decide that the camp isn't worth saving. He decides that like, he just is going to put himself first and and but he clearly feels guilty because he gives Percy the whistle. And it's like he says that he's like, I felt bad that you were going on a quest that you were ultimately going to lose. Yeah. I I it's really hard to tell if he feels guilty because the way he refers to camp is like I saw it, like I was there, and there's like no way you could win. So I don't know if he feels guilty if he genuinely believes that there's like no chance for them. I th- But I think he can feel guilty and still not feel, feel like he made the wrong choice, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like you can be confident in your choices and still feel guilty for them. Like, I feel like we, we like you, everyone experiences that in life where like, I made the right choice but maybe you hurt someone in making that right choice yeah. and therefore feel guilty. Like if you break up with someone because you know that you're, it's what you need, but it really hurts them. It's the right choice, but you can still feel guilty about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is it doesn't look like his guilt is going to get the better of him. And then we find out like later that it does. Yeah, and like it tracks. Like it really does make sense. Like I think he's I think the reason he appears to be so stable is kind of because he's repressing it all and like there is no like I feel like him sort of being overtaken by it later on kind of confirms the fact that like he has been controlled by guilt ever since what happened with Icarus happened. But I think, like, he really tries to not let it control him, but, like, he's not in control of how it manifests, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting how, I guess this doesn't really have to do with guilt, but, like, how the bird imagery continues with with Daedalus in, because we both have Icarus and then Perdix, and then he's branded, and... One of the things that has always stuck with me is he rebuilds his new body, but the tattoo is always there because it's attached to his soul. That's so bizarre and cool. Good job, Rick, on that one. It's really cool and it cuts really deep. Like I think about like if I had to have that, Oh, 
like I, it would just be kind of unbearable to live with. And like, so I feel like drawing that imagery is just really, really like so evocative, you know, just of like a lot of like, like visceral pain. And so like he communicates the message. It just hurts. <laughs> and I think it's very distinctive that the the things that he feels guilty for the thing, pain that he's inflicted on the other people is directly related to the act of falling because yeah. it's a manifestation of his hubris. Daedalus has the same fatal flaws as Annabeth. We've been talking about the whole time Daedalus is a direct foil for Annabeth and is like, this is what's going to happen if you don't open yourself up to the other people in your life, I think is essentially the story, the moral of the story that is given is like, you care about your friends, but you have to depend on them because if you only depend on yourself, you'll end up bitter and lonely. And you may live for 2000 years, but you'll be bitter and lonely and just keep hurting people because when you bring yourself really high up, all you can do is fall. Mm. If there's no one there to catch you. True. He lives in a really weird space of like, I can do anything and also like it's all my fault and like that's just such a confusing binary to live in I guess and just like Annabeth has a very distinct moment too uh in uh two chapters ago where she essentially goes has to go through all of these emotions that Daedalus did and it, they end up being fine, but when she thinks Percy's dead, she gets home and she's like, oh, it was my fault. Like, I thought I could do everything, and then I couldn't. And I think she still feels guilty, even though Percy is back, because she couldn't do it on her own. And we see that with, with Rachel. She's, she's so mean to Rachel in these chapters. And I think, and part of that is the jealousy, but part of that I think is guilt at that, like she feels guilty that she couldn't do it on her own. Interesting. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I because it's weird because I don't think she feels guilty for putting Rachel in danger, but it's like, you know, I, I lost the end of that sentence there, but it's like, you know, what other places do we see guilt in these chapters? I think this is a bit of a projection, but I think that there's a solid possibility that a lot of how like a lot of the um, irrational ways that Annabeth reacts to things in like the latter bit, sort of after we find out that it's Luke and stuff, even though there's like not much of that part left, but like what we see um, is kind of like, and I guess this is looking forward to, I, I think it's kind of like she finally sees that like what she has been fighting for and like who she has been fighting for is actively harming other people um and like 
I, maybe she's like a visual learner. Cause like that is the physical manifestation of like, you could not have saved him. And you spent so much time and emotional energy on someone who's just going to actively harm the people that you care about. And so I feel like she feels guilty for that after finally seeing it, finally hitting that like almost breaking point. Um, and I think how Annabeth operates when she feels a lot of guilt is kind of like, I couldn't take care of the too much that I tried to take care of, even though it wasn't her responsibility anyway. And so she gets really like, she snaps at people. So it's, I don't know. I, th- I think that's her process, I guess. I think thinking in terms of Kronos and Luke, do we think that Percy feels responsible? <coughs> Damn it. I sneezed again. I'm not sure if you could hear, hear that on the recording, but it was big. I could hear it. <laughs> oh, good. As I was saying, do we think that Percy feels responsible or guilty for Kronos coming back and for Kronos coming back in the form of Luke at all? Percy? I don't think so. Annabeth? I do think so. Because, like, honestly, Percy knew Luke for, like, 10 minutes. Like, they they got, like, a nice little bond and then they were, like, go on a quest. And then things started to go to shit. So I think that, like, I think Percy thinks of it in terms of like he wasn't there soon enough to even intervene because by the time he got to camp Luke was already working with dark forces you know like how was he supposed to turn him out of that however Annabeth was there the whole time like since the beginning so I think Annabeth would feel the most guilty about it yeah well do we do we think because of the the Ethan this thing do we think he feels guilty that he wasn't able to either kill Ethan and prevent him from joining or to actually persuade Ethan not to join because mm-hmm. I feel like Percy takes things upon himself a lot and I just wonder if this is something that we think he's taking upon himself there's like oh I directly caused Ethan joining and therefore or not directly but like I could have stopped Ethan joining and I didn't because he doesn't like to kill people, but he, I think he kind of knew that this was a possibility and then he didn't stop it. And he was also too late to stop it happening in the moment in the temple too. Maybe I'm not sure only because he was, yeah, he was too late to stop it happening in the temple, but he did try like he took off the invisibility cap before Ethan said anything and was like don't and Ethan still did it because and I don't know I feel like I don't know how to phrase this but I feel like Percy is getting old enough that like he understands that some things just have to happen certain ways and like he could only try to change it that's real. Because like certain things where he was very involved, like I think he'll be he'll feel responsible for Bianca because he literally could have gone instead of her mm-hmm. and like had a very direct role in that outcome. And he like 
didn't have a huge direct role in this outcome and he tried to stop it. I don't know. I just feel like he wouldn't at this point in his life. <laughs> There's things he would feel more guilty about. Yeah. I think I would like to talk about Bianca for a minute now that you brought her up. Okay. Because Bianca's shadow is so big over this book. Like such a big part. And Percy, we don't get a lot of Percy thinking about the guilt for Bianca's death, but we see a lot of actions that manifest the guilt over Bianca's death in the relationship between Percy and Nico. And I think Nico also feels guilty for Bianca's death in a way that he actually knows that he couldn't have done anything, but he somehow like think feels guilty that he didn't make Percy do it in a way, if that makes any sense. And so I'm just like thinking about how Nico has his little arc in this these chapters where he is like, no, I am the king of the dead. Um, and how that comes out of Nico's guilt and Nico's relationship with Percy and how Percy perceives that. Because I think we're led to believe that the other characters are a little scared by this act. I think they say later on that like Percy was like, that was really fucking freaky that he was like, I'm the king of the dead. Um, and I th think Percy blames himself for not making Nico power. Nico was always going to be powerful, but making Nico like violent. Yeah. And I feel like there's also kind of this, well, first of all, it's really hard to look at guilt without kind of assuming things because it's such like an internal sensation and it doesn't necessarily always manifest, especially when a book is told from like first person. Um, but I also think that like, it's hard. I think people with like supernatural abilities definitely feel guilt on an elevated level because when anything tragic happens, they're probably like, well, I have some power. There must've been something that I could do, even if I don't know what it is there definitely had to have been something like I I was given like I can do what I can do for a reason you know so I think that's partially why Nico probably feels so guilty because he feels like he probably didn't make the most of like his ability or something but again like we're not sure because Nico is very like he like implodes kind of and like that all we see are like the the effects of that but we don't get a picture of like his internal emotional landscape, you know? Yeah. We don't really know how much he blames himself for Minos's actions either. Yeah, true. And it's also interesting because it, it is very unclear, especially in these chapters, how much of the stuff with the dead Minos was controlling and like how much Nico was controlling Minos and how much Minos was co controlling Nico. But I think Nico takes it on himself later in these books that Minos was controlling him, which we don't really know how much of that is true. But I think I think it's interesting that he Nico clearly feels guilty about how he treated Percy after their conversation with Bianca because he says he goes back into the labyrinth 
to help them because Miles is like, they're in danger. And so I think that is a really nice arc that Nico has where he he still has a lot of hard feelings, but he 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 feels bad that he had those hard feelings and has kind of realized that that Percy really just wanted to help and it was kind of out of his control and it's not productive anymore to try to bring back someone who doesn't want to be brought back. But then I think moving into the next book, the whole like, was Minos controlling me or was I controlling Minos really ends up affecting him. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to know. I think the the one other place that I see guilt is with Tyson and Grover in the, the dream that Kronos shows Percy. Kronos is very much attacking Percy in the way... We know Percy's fatal flaw is he cares about his friends too much. And so Kronos is like, look what you did. They're gonna die because you couldn't save them. And that you let them go off on their own. And we don't really see much more of it. It doesn't really manifest. It's very clear that Percy feels bad about it, but then other stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> I just agree. All right. Any Anything else with guilt? I think we're good. good. All right. It is time for Sass Moments. Ooh, these chapters were kind of serious. I kind of <laughs> had trouble. Me too. They were definitely serious, but I do have one. I just have to find where it is. Yeah, I have to find mine too. It, everything goes so fast. I'm like just having a hard time. That's what I'm saying. Like they don't stop moving. And they can't stop. And <laughs> they won't stop. <laughs> this is unrelated, but I'm just passing the section where like Annabeth and Rachel are talking about architecture. And like, that was really cute. It was so cute. I want them to be friends so badly. Annabeth and Rachel would be a much better couple than Rachel and Percy. <laughs> I do I agree? I can't decide. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I have found mine. Okay. It's going to eat you, Grover yelled at Tyson. How do you know? <laughs> that's it. And that's the, <laughs> it just told me run funny too. But it's the, how did you, how do you know? How do you know that this big monster is going to eat us? Yeah. I like that just Tyson is like, his default is like, I mean, we don't know. Like, we don't know what he's going to do. Like, we got to be nice until we know. True. <laughs> I love I also, mine isn't that funny, but it was funny to me. Um, it's further down than yours. I don't, I don't actually know the real like pages and such because I do use a PDF. But it's oh, I already um, closed it, so I can't. I can't. So, uh, no, it's okay. Um, it's right before the sort of Quintus reveal. 
Um, and it's, where are we? I wondered. Colorado Springs, a voice said behind us, the garden of the gods. I just think it's so funny that it's like, Colorado Springs is the garden of the <laughs> gods. The way it was phrased did make me laugh. <sighs> yeah. Um, mine was like, it's not funny because maybe, I don't know. I'm just going to read it. Um, it, they're talking about Luke. It's like the beginning of chapter of the first chapter. Um, that's not true. There was something wrong with him. Annabeth said he looked nervous. Him is his, he told his monsters to spare me. He probably, he wanted to tell me something probably hi, Annabeth, sit here with me and watch while I tear your friends apart. It'll be fun. And that's how Percy responds to that. And it's like, funny joke, Percy, but also she clearly is not ready to hear that. <laughs> like, like, you're right. Funny joke. You're correct. Maybe not the moment. Like, your audience is not Stella right now, but you are probably right. All right. Who are we giving offerings for this week? That's I can hard. <laughs> okay. Um, it was very difficult when I was thinking about this because honestly, everyone deserves one. <laughs> They're all going through shit. It's true. Um, but I am gonna go. Can I give it to like both Grover and Tyson or like split my point in half? Only yes. like I get it. Like I know we love Grover and Tyson. However, like we don't even know if this view is real. We don't know if they are where they are. We don't know if they're even being attacked because Kronos could just make shit up in order to scare people. So it's like, where are they? And nobody cares to look. They do care, but they're busy. So to them. I agree. It's it's so funny because I also almost did the same thing. <laughs> I was like, could I split my vote? Because, you know? <laughs> yeah. Ava, do you have yours? I was also thinking about them. <laughs> Um, Think about them. Think about them. I mean, Brayden, if you give one to Tyson, I'll give one to Grover, and that way both of them will have 1.5. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> uh, I am giving mine to Rachel because she hit Kronos in the back thinking. of the head with a plastic hair. Yes, brush. she fucking did. She really did. She really did. And and also she's just doing great overall. I I like Rachel. I'm gonna say it. I like Rachel. Rachel's fine. I don't feel like Rachel. So she hit Cronus in the back of the head with a plastic hair brush. Yeah, it's really respectable. Ugh, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't feel super strongly about anyone in any of these chapters, which is kind of strange, I think. Um, I'm thinking about doing something a little abstract and giving one to Juniper how worried must she be? She must be so deeply concerned. And like, we saw this girl at the beginning of the book, so worried. And Grover was there. He was with yeah. her and she was freaking right. the fuck out. You're right. And she must be freaking the absolute fuck out now. The, poor girl. <laughs> so for her, hope she's okay. Yeah. That's so real. <laughs> I love so much that there's so much that happened in these chapters and most of the, the votes this week have gone to people who weren't in these chapters. Yeah. 
we really find our way to to support Grover and Tyson, no matter no matter how far away they are. Also, like unlike their friends. Yeah, we're their friends now. (laughs) We're their friends now. (laughs) All right, who would we like to vote off the island? Who, um, I, I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say it, Kelly. No, that was mine. <laughs> I don't know. She keeps coming back. She's yeah. really annoying. I know she wasn't the one who made the. Uh, Binos also did bad. But like, uh, yeah, mine but like he died. Bad. Like he literally got voted off the island, so he's taken care of. He did. Ugh, that's really true. <laughs> um, oh, that's difficult because I feel like offerings and kicking people off the island, like they have to feel right, you know? Like you yeah. can't like half-ass it. Um, and like Daedalus is too easy. Right. And I don't necessarily want to do that anyway. I don't, I feel like there are people who've done worse jobs. Um, I'm like, I can't give it to Luke because he's just laying there. Yeah, it's he's not even Luke anymore. No. Um Kronos is I have a controversial nose. take and I think I'm ready to give it. Go okay. for it. I need Annabeth to let go of her connection with Luke. Girly, we're four books in. Like I understand it's a lifelong thing, but like, you know, who was the one to actually attack Luke? slash chronos <laughs> when they saw percy in like mortal danger a mortal girl <laughs> was the one to actually make any moves like because and it never explicitly says it but it just feels like she does it because annabeth can't because it's luke like girl you have to let it go i'm sorry you've known for so long and she's still so convinced she can like talk him out of it chronos and then percy's trying to explain to her once they get out of there like yeah Luke is Kronos now and she's like no <laughs> it's like yes he is <laughs> like you have to let it like that is what happened I'm like it's very sad but you've had a lot of time to accept it now and she's still like no it is not like and it, it's one thing to be upset and be like this is really difficult to hear because like yes it is but to just like Percy's trying to tell her this is what happened like Luke is Kronos now there he's like taking his form in Luke and she's like no, it must be something else. And he's like, like yes, girly. it. <laughs> yeah. So love Annabeth and she's doing great most of the time, but this is something that like she's got to come to terms with. And it's like inhibiting people's safety the longer that she doesn't. I Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, I really understand kind of the place that she's in. Like it's very difficult, especially because they were definitely very codependent. And then mm. being codependent with someone who, like, openly, I don't know, he's, it, their relationship is just so messy. And, like, I don't blame her at all for being in such deep denial. But when it starts to hurt other people is when I get, like, uh, okay, like, like, she, it's the work to unlearn that codependency is definitely extremely difficult. But, like, I feel like Annabeth knowing who she is would snap back into gear at least a little bit when she realized that it was actively hurting other people. <sighs> so I think 
I don't know necessarily if I want to jump on that train yet. Actually, I will. I will. Because, <laughs> because also she was mean to Rachel. I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, that's another also, point. She was, she got worse this chapter somehow. Yeah. And so I almost also voted her, not even for the loop thing, but just for the Rachel thing. But <laughs> yeah. I'm also, also ti- I'm also tired of Kelly. I'm so tired of her. Oh my God. She's like, come back, back every week. I, I feel like she's gonna, I know she's probably gonna come back again, but like, please girl, we don't want you here anymore. Take a day, you know, read, read take a the rest. Room. Read the room. Read, read the room. <sighs> Alrighty, folks, that is all for this week. Join us next week for the penultimate chapters of Battle of the Labyrinth, where we'll also be joined by Robert from Into the Riordanverse and that damn mean page, and we will be discussing... Chapters 17 and 18, The Lost God Speaks and Grover Causes a Stampede through the theme of power. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media. We're at Return to Camp on all the platforms that matter, and we also have a Redbubble store and a Patreon and a website www.returntocamp.com I can't wait for Taysom and Grover to be back (laughs) can we talk about that chapter name next week it's so good (laughs) good. Grover causes damage king king of causing problems this way Rachel yelled why should we follow you Annabeth demanded you led us straight into that death trap it is the way well you needed to go. <laughs> Whoa. Not sure what happened there. <laughs> you weren't lying when you said you couldn't read. It is the way you needed to go. 